Now to some exclusive new reporting on a key witness in special counsel Jack Smith's Mar-a-Lago probe. Sources tell CNN that Donald Trump and his associates repeatedly contacted a former employee turned witness before charges were filed in the classified documents case. And this is the same longtime Mar-a-Lago employee who moved several boxes for Trump and was also privy to conversations between the former president and his two co-defendants. We're joined now by CNN senior crime and justice reporter Caitlin Polance. Also with us is Renato Mariotti, a former federal prosecutor. Uh, good to have you both. Caitlin, let me start with you and this new exclusive new reporting. Just break down what you learned here. Well, what we have is a pattern of communication. I was able to learn through sources and also some material I was able to, to get my hands on. And it's about a person who was at Mar-a-Lago for a long time, really ingrained in that community working for Donald Trump. And then the FBI search happens. This person had witnessed quite a lot of things about the boxes, had moved some boxes, had overheard phone calls, then leaves his job. And when he leaves his job, just a couple months after that FBI search, it's clear there's an investigation ongoing. He gets a call from Trump, something that just didn't happen in his life, to his personal phone. Trump's asking him why he left his job. They have a nice conversation afterwards. The word gets back to him that Trump thinks he's a good guy. And then there's more communications with other people, people who eventually become co-defendants of Donald Trump, who are telling him things like, uh, if you want to come back to Mar-a-Lago, you, you could get your job back. That we think Donald Trump would really like to be able to see you. There are tickets to a golf tournament. Why don't you come hang out with us? And also several repeated interactions about the lawyer that he might choose in this case. Now, put this all together. Is this just conversations among friends? Quite possibly. This is a small community. They all know each other really well. But also, it's just a piece of insight the special counsel picked up on in this investigation that shows you how this world works. People are in touch, and there's a lot of information going on being exchanged, even in the course of this investigation. It does strike me that this witness told uh, the special counsel that uh, Trump allies randomly showed up at his gym and were like, hey, how you doing? Trump One loves ally. you. Very unusual for yeah, that person to show up at the gym. Quite a bit unusual. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Renato Mariotti. Renato, notably none of these interactions between this former employee and Trump and his associates are actually referenced in the indictment. Is there anything to read into that? Not necessarily. Um, it, it may mean potentially that they weren't 100% solid in the proof that they had uh, at the, in the indictment. It may mean that, uh, for example, um, you know, they, you know, they're they're going to be able to. Uh, they uh, they may have, for example, uh, additional evidence that they're providing that they didn't have at the time of indictment. But look, it's very strong evidence, and really. It's interesting. We spent a lot of time focusing on the January 6th case and the, and the chase out in Georgia. The Mar-a-Lago case is the strongest case by far uh, the, uh, against Trump of all these cases that he's facing. And this is more of a pattern of activity where it looks like something like a cover-up, right? Why do you desperately need to reach this guy unless you're trying to keep your, keep your story straight or try to alter his testimony in some way? Something that the jury is going to find very suspicious. And, and Caitlin, one thing you also sort of did some digging and found out is there were questions about his legal counsel, who he was being represented by. What did you learn about that, and why do you think that um, could be noteworthy here? Well, this person chose not to have a Trump paid for, to have Trump pay for his lawyer. He chose to have a different lawyer outside that bubble. But 
who is representing these witnesses has been something that has hung over this case, both during the investigation at this stage when this person was getting these contacts. Investigators were asking a lot of questions about that. And even now that this case is charged, there are still questions being asked in court. Uh, is it okay for witnesses in the case to have the same lawyers as the co-conspirator defendants sitting next to Donald Trump, Carlos de Oliveira and Walt Nada. There are some uh, overlap in different aspects of the investigation. And it's not unusual for a corporate entity like the Trump Organization or Mar-a-Lago Club to be paying for employees, lawyers, but there's just so much interconnectedness here. And it's an obstruction investigation. It's mm -hmm. caught prosecutors' attention. They're watching closely. Renato, to Caitlin's point that a setup like this isn't unusual where a corporation helps to represent uh, certain employees in, in prosecution, how does the question of conflict of interest play into this entire case? Great question. Um, it, the fact that somebody's paying fees uh, in and of itself doesn't create a conflict. Really, anyone can pay uh, for uh, another lawyer's fees. And the idea is under the law that they want to um, increase uh, the, uh, the ability of people to afford representation. So the, essentially the attitude is that the lawyers themselves have their own ethical obligations to look out for the client's interests. So unless the clients that they're representing have a divergent interest from each other, they're at odds, Paying for the the same, you know, for example, the same lawyer to represent multiple people is okay as long as the clients are in conflict with each other. So, very common for a company to have one lawyer representing multiple different employees. Obviously, though, in this case where there's a, it's an obstruction case, not only a very high profile case, but a case in which we've actually had one cooperator change lawyers and change his story. Um, it's understandable that people are raising some serious questions about it here. Renato Mariotti, thanks for your insights. Caitlin Polian, it's great to have you in your reporting. Back with us now, Errol Lewis, Leah Wright-Ragour, and Ellie Honig. Ellie, the fact that this offer and these calls from Trump to a former employee who is not named, we don't know, happened after the um, FBI search of Mar-a-Lago, but before the charges. Is that relevant here? It is. This is one of these issues where we all, common sense people, all understand what was happening here. They were trying to make sure this employee stayed loyal. They were trying to make sure this employee didn't flip on them. I'm not sure the evidence, though, is unusual enough that, A, a judge would admit it, and, B, that you could really make that argument of to the jury. Yeah, of, that it's witness tampering. To me, alone, this does not make out witness tampering. Okay, you called someone who left their job. You let them know the job's still open. Okay, you offered to take someone to a golf tournament. Um, however, it might fit into a broader pattern that we've seen here, right? I mean... We've already seen charges of obstruction and then obstruction upon obstruction in this case, relating to hiding the boxes, tampering with the video surveillance, trying to influence certain witnesses. So it could fit into that. It could support the overall picture that prosecutors are trying to paint here of a concerted effort to obstruct justice. It's fascinating reporting. Not totally sure exactly what it means going forward, but it's just a great example of our team's work. What is, uh, I think, very out front right now is what the special counsel did yesterday in terms of going straight to the Supreme Court challenge President, former President Trump's immunity claims. Errol, what did you take from this, the decision to go straight to the Supreme Court here? Well, first of all, it, it's, it's something that they're, they're entitled to do. It's not, it's not super, super rare yeah. to sort of go and ask for, you know, well, the, the Supreme Court. Can you explain that? To Why? Well, I mean, look, they're, they're, normally there's an appeals process. You go through different levels, and then the Supreme Court decides whether or not to take a case, and that can take a month or even a year or two. 
but what we saw in the case that comes to mind, I think that probably most viewers might remember, is uh, back in 2000, when there was a real question on the table about whether or not votes were being counted properly in Florida, the Supreme Court took up the case immediately, and, and they resolved it, uh, because we needed to have a new leader of the country. Um, you can ask for that. In, in this case, it's not quite as dramatic, and it's not quite as urgent, but what Jack Smith is saying is that, you know, look, if, if we've got an election that's about to start, if what, if what is at the end of all of this is that the president cannot be prosecuted for any reason, for anything that he did while he was in office, which is basically what his lawyer, the case that his lawyers were making, tell me now, let's not, let's not waste everyone's time with this if at the end of it there's going to be some kind of crazy immunity. Now, he's doing this knowing that what Trump's lawyers have asked for is absurd. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that they're going to get everything that they want, but it's best to have it litigated now. Leah, explain what Trump's lawyers are asking here for, because the fate of two cases, the election interference case and the Georgia election interference probe, hang in the balance. If this court decides, even a 5-4, you know, narrow majority decision, when you're a president, you're immune from things like this, those two go out the window. Absolutely. They're, they're gone. And this is why this is such a crucial moment. And in fact, in some respects, I know the Trump folks are um, irate over the special counsel's decision to, you know, to push the Supreme Court and decide that, uh, make this decision right now. But this is also something that Trump people should care about, because the Supreme Court is going to lay it out. They're going to either say, no, actually, you don't have immunity um, based on things that you did in office, or you do. And so it, we have to decide. I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that we have to decide it because we have an election that is rapidly approaching. And part of the Trump team strategy has been to stretch out this kind of uh, political process and this legal process in order to get to the point of being reelected president of the United States, by which then there are all kinds of kind of legal uh, calamities or rules and regulations, including one in which he can pardon himself, right, or preemptively take it off the table. Again, I think it's, it's important to think about what this decision might actually entail as well. Because what happens if the president of the or uh, the next president of the United States is told, no, actually, you do have immunity over anything that you did while in office? That changes the entire landscape of how somebody governs and what they are able to do and what the American public allows them to do.